Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. Taking a break from our series in Genesis uh, to look at a mission theme this weekend. As Pat had mentioned yesterday morning, we had a prayer breakfast. We had two of uh, our missions partners were here in person and then Two of our international partners were able to meet with us on Zoom. And as we engage with these partners and think about their ministries, we were appreciative of what they do. We're aware of sacrifice. And we tend to think of those in in full-time ministry, particularly who have left where they live to go into a difficult location like the Bounds in Frankfurt or those who have gone to other countries. And we realize they have been uniquely sent by God to serve a particular people or a particular place. And certainly they are in places where God has called them, where God has brought them to. However, what what's very important for each one of us to understand, to truly believe this. Every Christian has been sent on mission. Every Christian has been sent by God back into this world that needs to hear the gospel so desperately. And that's the theme we see in our passage. John 20, we're going to begin reading verse 19. The context is Jesus' first appearance to his disciples after his physical resurrection. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Our Heavenly Father, We ask that you would help us to have hearts fully committed to the honor of your son. Help us to be willing, even in in this time, looking at your word, to have hearts imprinted for what it means for us to live in a way that honors Christ, that serves him, For even with our our struggles to love fully and well, we do love our Lord Jesus. 
We are thankful that he has saved us. We do want to make him known and to see many know him well. So we ask together that you would help us for this wondrous purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus tells us that he was sent by the Father. And that statement is packed with historical and redemptive truth. The promise of God sending a savior, a deliverer, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, we saw just a few weeks ago as uh, we went through Genesis 3, when sin first entered the world and Adam and Eve rebelled and immediately their souls were corrupted by sin. Immediately they needed a savior. And as we've seen already, just in those very few early chapters of Genesis, everyone who followed them needs a savior. And so God, as soon as sin had entered, God immediately brought a promise that from the line of Eve, he would send one who would crush Satan and all his works and defeat the power of sin. That is God's promise to humanity. He would send one who is able. And Jesus is saying, I am the one sent. All human history has lived under the burden and the corruption, the curse of sin. Every generation that has lived in this world has groaned under our complete inability to heal our souls or to make our way to God. Everywhere in the world, people sense emptiness and brokenness and they try so hard to find a way to solve and fix it and no one can. We've looked for God to fulfill his promise of sending a savior and hundreds of prophecies were given Many false hopes were raised over the ages, and then, and then in the village of Bethlehem, a virgin gave birth. God in flesh entered the world, signs in abundance were displayed by him. The wisdom of God was heard. Righteousness for the first time was completely fulfilled in the life of a man. And then the hope of humanity and the promise of God was fulfilled on that hill where the Son of God offered himself as a sacrifice to pay in full 
for the debt and guilt of our sin. And the one who died for sin was bodily raised, demonstrating he had indeed crushed the head of Satan. He had broken the bondage of sin. The deliverer, the promise of God had come. And now this one sent. The risen and the ruling Jesus Christ tells us that we are sent to. Look again in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so, I, the Lord Jesus, is, he is speaking to us, I have sent you. Believer, we have been sent to join Jesus' glorious and wondrous work. Now, this is, this is not just some isolated passage that we're giving too much weight to. This was a prominent theme of Jesus' res post-resurrection visits. Uh, just briefly, I, I want to run through a few passages so we see this was Jesus' theme to his people after his death and resurrection. We see it in Matthew 28, the, what we call the Great Commission, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, because of what I have received in authority, you go and make disciples of all the nations. Luke 24, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things and behold I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. One more Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. This was not just for the apostles because it, the language we see in every passage is this sending is to Every corner of the earth. This sending is to all nations. This was not just to where those apostles went to. This is to the church. This is to those whom God has saved. That all of us, we are seeing ourselves as being sent to those who have not yet heard. Both far and near. And so our main point of the message today. Everyone Christ has saved, he has also sent. Everyone Christ has saved, he has also sent. Has Christ saved you? If your answer is yes, 
you are one of the sent ones. Just as I have, I, I send you. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean everyone has to buy really good luggage? Because you're about to go somewhere. Before we leave that thought too quickly, perhaps, perhaps for some of you, there will be this growing sense. And if it is from God, he'll make sure it never goes away. That you might go. And we would miss you terribly. Yet we would also rejoice in the honor of helping send you to serve the gospel where it's needed. For most of us, it's, it's not something that requires luggage. So what this means, living sent, is that wherever we are, we are there Amen. for Christ and his gospel. Wherever you are in life, your place, you are there by the sovereignty of God for the name of Christ, for the gospel of Christ. Next time you find yourself anywhere in a line, you're there. You've been sent there for Christ. Your conduct, your attitude, your interaction as you stand in line is for the person of Christ. When you're on Facebook, you're on Facebook sent by Christ. And he may be sending you to keep your thoughts to yourself. <laughs> that may be how you represent Christ. That you read and in your disturbance you pray rather than in battle. But know this, know this, you represent Christ with every word sent. When you are in your home, you, you are there in the name of Christ. Where you work in the classroom, you are there for the name of Christ. Every conversation you have, you are a sent one. You are one whom Christ has saved. And now in his grace, he has sent you into conversations and interactions. He has sent you as a driver who is gracious and kind. Even when you come to church, you come here as a sent one. Because everyone here, Whatever their status is with believing and following, everyone here continues to need the work of the gospel 
Everyone here needs to be thinking about Christ, remembering what he has done. Everyone here needs all the encouragements that you find that you need to lift the wonders of the gospel back up in the forefront of your mind and filling your heart so that it doesn't grow cold and that we do not become distracted. As Christians, Christ-like, we are to look at life in the world as Christ did. And so in John chapter four, uh, of the many times we see something of Jesus' heart in John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus says, my food, my sustenance, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And now he lets us know what it is. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus reminding us, just look up from what you're focused on and see there are people everywhere who need Jesus. Think of this. We're sent to help the greatest need of all humanity by sharing with them the greatest work of God. Now that's something to get out of bed for. That's something to, to not treat casual. That's something to realize my life has importance and worth and my actions and my words and my attitude, these things are all important. For each of us has been sent to help bring Christ to the greatest need humanity has, the need for a savior, by telling them of the greatest work under heaven, Christ, born, died, and raised. Do we not rejoice with amazement that God was so gracious to us to save us? Let us also be amazed how gracious God is to use us, to call and send us. The, is this not an honor beyond comparison? What is it that you can find to do that has more value, more urgency, more worth? Perhaps not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of every resident of heaven, in the eyes of Jesus, that our life for the one who sacrificed and shed his blood, the joy his heart receives when in gratitude for that, we're praying, Lord, help me see and know how to introduce others to him, how Jesus is so glad with any effort we make.
to bring attention to him. How do you define your role and place in life? In your circles of life, what is your role? What's your place? What's your identity? Jesus is telling us the answer to all of that has his name in it. The gospel is connected to it. Whatever your role, your titles, grandfather, father, husband, friend, pastor, whatever yours are, it's about lifting Christ up in how we carry out those roles and places and seeing it's, it's not about our life titles. It's about how we relate to Christ in the places we are with the roles we have. Jesus is telling us we are to be in our places as his representatives. And think of this, if we are not representing Christ in our places, then what are we representing? We are representing something if it's not Jesus, then what is it? it I can tell you this, it is far inferior than representing the person of Christ. If what we're representing is, you know, I've got this opinion here, we can do better than that. Wondrously better than that. There is the Savior, I know. There's this hope that I have. Even with my mess-ups and life just seems so hard now. I, there's hope that I have that others need to hear that you have to share. We have something to give and share. You don't have to have the ability to answer everyone's questions in the way they want. You do have the ability to share the truth about Christ in the way that he wants. Living life sent is not an interruption of what we're doing. It is Christ giving us the gift of living the best way possible, the most honored way possible, the most valuable way possible. Now, all of this may sound stirring, but also very intimidating. I understand that because as I'm preparing and, you know, it's one thing to write words. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that, I think, yeah, that'll be helpful. Ooh, that'll challenge them. That'll, you know, stick them, get them thinking. You know, if I do not turn all those to myself, then there, there will be a, a problem between Myself and God. So I've had to think of this and be very aware of how much easier it is to preach it than to do it. And so together, as this may 
feel intimidating. Let us not only see the reality of what Christ has given to us, everyone he has saved, he has also sent. Uh, let us see the, the encouragements, two wonderful encouragements we have here. One in verse 22, one in verse 23. The first encouragement in verse 22 is that Jesus sends us with a wonderful presence. He says in verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever Jesus speaks of sending us, so every passage that we read, it, it mentions the Holy Spirit. Jesus never speaks of sending us without bringing up the reality of the Holy Spirit because we're, <laughs> we're not going to go far without him. We're not going to get anywhere without him. The Holy Spirit is the one who carried out what Jesus did within our soul. The Holy Spirit is the one who gave us spiritual life that we saw and heard and responded to the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit who brought us into adoption. He is the one that brought us to be in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who has taken all that Christ has done and made it ours personally. And the Spirit who carried out Christ's work in you will be the one to make sure he carries out Christ's work through you. There is no expectation of God that anyone will come to salvation without the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to respond, to see, to have a heart to believe. And God doesn't expect anyone to ever carry out any statement or effort or work of ministry or mission without the empowering work of the Spirit. God is wise. He has no intention of sending you alone. These are important things. God hasn't just dropped that weight upon you, sitting back and saying, okay, pick up that load and make it work. He has gifted us with this reality, with the person, the spirit, who at every turn is there helping us. God is not only wise, God is good. He will never leave you on your own. He doesn't leave you to make people believe. He doesn't leave you on your own to change your heart. He doesn't leave you on your own to be an example. The good, wise God is there to enable it to be all that it needs to be. And the Holy Spirit, he doesn't work at our capacity. He uses our capacity, but he is always working at his. 
And so the spirit is working in measures you cannot see. So in those places, with your prayers, with your words, with your example, the spirit is at work in ways you cannot see. He will enable you to touch burdens you didn't even know people had. But as you love and care for, engage with people, the Spirit of God will use you to touch what you don't even know is there. The Holy Spirit will, will use you as people see you and you don't even know they're watching. And the Spirit will be at work long after the conversations are gone. One of my favorite stories of what the Spirit does long after we would be aware. This happened uh, over 300 years ago. There was uh, an English boy who heard a preacher. He heard a message, and like a lot of boys and boys' moms and dads, forgot. What he heard, life went on. Moved to the colonies and then was living in Connecticut 70, 70 years later. He's plowing his field. And at that age, you're going to take a break. At each turn, he's leaning against the rail fence. And as he's there distracted, the Holy Spirit took the words of that preacher and brought it to remembrance and that old man came to faith in that field the preacher had been dead and forgotten for decades the word of God will prevail and stand. And what you share and pray and do, the Holy Spirit will keep working beyond what you thought has taken place. And so take courage for each little thing you can do and say and believe and be earnest in every prayer you offer. Obey the Holy Spirit, his voice, everything you know, the Spirit is speaking to you. He's, he's encouraging you. You know that's what God wants. You know that's the Spirit saying, no, that's not good. You, you know times when the Spirit is encouraging, this is what you should do. When you always respond to what you know, this is clearly the voice of God in my soul. When we respond to that, no matter how small, that trains us to be sensitized to his voice in unexpected times, in unusual times, with people and places God would have you interact with that you never could have planned. The first encouragement is that God sends us with a wonderful presence, a sufficient presence, that of the Spirit of God. And the, the second encouragement 
If Jesus sends us, he will use us. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, what, is the, what this is not telling us, and we know this from the whole of Scripture, we do not have the power to forgive sins. We have no capacity for that. that that's the work of God. That's what Christ does. We, we even speak of forgiving ourselves. We don't have the power for that. Christ forgives. That's his role. We don't have the power to judge. That's the role of Christ. What we are given is the authority of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through you. God making his appeal through you. This is what the passage is referring to. The authority of the gospel given to us to declare. Just as a nation's authority is behind an ambassador's message. An ambassador doesn't show up in another country with his own ideas. He, he goes with the words of his government, and as he speaks, it's as if his nation has spoken. God making his appeal through us. God will stand behind his word. There have been times when I've been interacting with people and their brokenness and their confusion and the mess of life is so much that the thought starts to come, I'm just giving the best I can and how's this going to help them? And my, my soul responds, if I'm giving them the truth of God, it's enough, no matter how big the mess. I do not have to measure it or figure out how it will be powerful for them. That's what God does. If I give the truth of Christ, that is enough. God will stand behind his word. So let's just leave our opinions. We don't need to carry them out to people. Our opinions will not save. They will not sustain. They will not heal. Let us carry the word of God that will. And so in our conversations, let's bring the focus on Christ. Them thinking about Jesus, reading about Jesus, considering why Jesus came, what he did. This is what he said. How does that, what do you think of that? Keep it back on the person of Jesus because that's where the hope is. And if things you can't answer, just tell them that. There's things they can't answer. They know that. Just tell them. I can't answer that. I can tell you what, I, what Jesus did for me. We can all do that. I can tell you what Jesus did for me. The gospel will be true for everyone who will call on Christ. And that includes you today if you never have.
Jesus, right now, in this moment, Jesus will be faithful to his promise. And his promise is, whoever will come to me, I will not cast out. Whoever believes in me, I will save. So confess what you know about yourself, that you're a sinner, and how can you possibly expect God to ignore your sin? And that's why Jesus came and died, so our sin could be cleansed by his payment, his righteousness. And how do you get it? You do not earn it. It is freely given to whoever will call upon him. And it sounds so crazy by our thinking. No, it's got to be something we earn. And no, it's what Jesus has given by grace. And then he asks you to commit yourself to him because he's worthy of it. But if you will trust, if you even say, Jesus, I'm not sure. If you're real, will you show yourself to me and he knows every heart that honestly asks that and he will show himself to you and confirm the truth to you we have the answer for every person every burden Jesus the answer for every burden is not who you plan to vote for no one on the ballot is going to save or heal, or fix. Whoever is on the ballot couldn't solve the problems of your block. Let alone save, or make a nation godly, or a community righteous. There's only one who does that. There's only one. So let's lift him up. Vote for who you want. I'm thinking that was for Jesus, not vote for who you want. But <laughs> Vote for who you want. Invite people to vote with you. Let's just not make that a bigger thing than Jesus. Well, let me, let me close with this. But what, if I've been a Christian for a while and I have failed so miserably at this, God has to be fed up. What if you have failed miserably? Imagine how Peter felt when he heard these words. Peter was there in the room, Jesus speaking to him, Days after Peter had denied his dearest friend, denied that he even knew who Jesus was. And Peter was there hearing the Savior say, I'm sending you. Imagine what Peter felt inside. And we know he was struggling because then we see the next chapter, when Jesus then appears again, chapter 21, 
verse 15. Jesus once again appears to his disciples, and when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 19, and after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Jesus was not just concerned with restoring Peter in relationship, but restoring Peter in ministry. And so the Lord knows that you love him, even though you don't always show it well. He knows your desire. And he says, follow me today. Follow me. People of God, everyone Christ has saved, he has also sent. And since you are sent by God, he has people for you to reach. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would encourage your dear children. In this, you have given us to do because you love us and want us to be a part of what you're doing. Help us to see you're not putting weight on us you're trying to put delight in us, fruitfulness in us, that we can rejoice in through all eternity as we see those whom we've interacted with there. And so give us fresh courage and clarity and grace. Lord, for those we have been praying for and speaking to, Holy Spirit, be there. And we ask for anyone here who has not received you, Lord, put the conviction of what's true in their soul now in Jesus' name. Amen.